truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today on The Blaze. Live and on demand, I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us as well. 888-900-3393 is the number to the show. 888-900-3393. And you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. Last name for those of you listening on the Blaze Radio or on the podcast today, D-E-A-C-E. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And if you are listening to us today on podcast, if you have time to leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, if you like our show, we would appreciate that and appreciate all of you who have done so already. Uh, Aaron's montage coming up here momentarily. Also, a Pop Culture Tuesday where I did a little recon into the progressive worldview. We're going to talk about that uh, at the bottom of this hour. Next hour, D.C. McAllister from The Federalist is going to join us as leftist progressives have now launched a full-fledged war on women, particularly femininity. We're going to talk about that. And then today, one of our favorite segments, and one of the ones that uh, you out in the audience seem to like the most, is going to undergo a necessary evolution. And we're going to tell you what that means and what that will look like coming up a little bit later on. But one of the cool things about getting to host this show each and every weekday is the opportunity to support worthy causes. And maybe the most worthy cause in the history of mankind uh, is the Word of God. And Back to Jerusalem has a vision, and that is to take the Word of God to every closed country between communist China uh, and, uh, and, and, and Jerusalem, really. That's why they call themselves Back to Jerusalem. So Iran. Somalia, where we now apparently get our congresswomen from uh, because of such a utopian uh, destination. Uh, So Somalia, Iran, North Korea, China, these are what we call closed countries, meaning the oppressive regimes in these countries don't want to let the light and hope from the gospel in because it would inspire their people probably to throw off the tyranny of their own sin and then the sin that those regimes are imposing upon them. If you want to help them bring the word of God into these countries, one of the ways they've devised to do this is they've taken the actual Bible and shrunk it down into a form that makes it easier to get it past the gatekeepers and slip it past the goalies here in these closed countries. If you want to help put 10,000 of these Bibles in the hands of the people, that are being oppressed in these nations, here's how. BlazeHelp.org is the website. That's BlazeHelp.org. Or you can give them a call at 844-305-0566. It will only cost you 15 bucks, about the cost of uh, you and a friend going out to Chick-fil-A. And uh, I would imagine the folks at Chick-fil-A might support, uh, given what they're about, uh, might support an endeavor like this. BlazeHelp.org or 844-305-0566. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Doctrines of Demons. The Senate voted on the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act yesterday. It failed to get the necessary 60 votes needed to advance. Five Democrats who are running for president voted against the bill. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Gersten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, and Amy Klobuchar. The good news, though, is that we have a conservative movement rearing and ready to go to fight for the unborn until the bitter end. In completely unrelated news, CNN's noted communist Van Jones is going to be speaking at CPAC on criminal justice reform. 
Moving on, boys who feel pretty were competing against girls in the Connecticut High School State Indoor Track Championships. This year, two young men took the top two spots away from the rest of the all-female field. But yes, we need to placate every whim of those with mental issues, because if we don't, we're just the haters and we're probably the ones doing hate crimes. In completely unrelated news, Nikki Jolly, a woman who identifies as a man from Jackson, Michigan, is the person responsible for organizing the city's first gay pride parade after 18 years of failed attempts to do so. Her house burned down in 2017 in an event which police investigated as a hate crime. Now police say she orchestrated the arson herself after being frustrated she wasn't receiving as much attention after her successful advance of so-called gay rights in Jackson, Michigan. Moving on, Bernie Sanders held a town hall courtesy of CNN last night where he talked about the ongoing situation in Venezuela. Why have you stopped short of calling Maduro of Venezuela a dictator? Well, he, I, I think it's, it's fair to say that the last election was undemocratic. Uh, but there are still democratic operations taking place in that country. In totally unrelated news, Univision's Jorge Ramos was detained during an interview with Maduro after showing him this video. Hola! Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's boyfriend. There is confusion about Riley Roberts' status with Miss Ocasio-Cortez after one political operative by the name of Luke Thompson did some digging and found that he may or may not have been given a job on the congresswoman's staff. We know that he was paid by a PAC for work he did for Ocasio-Cortez's campaign as well. This comes after finding he has a house.gov email address, access to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's calendars, and has a designation as staff. AOC has disputed whether or not he's actually on her staff. Socialism for me, but not for thee. And finally, super happy fun times in local politics. Does anybody know who's on the city council in Windsor Heights, Iowa? Indulge me for a moment, will you? A couple of weeks ago, a buddy of mine brought to my attention a tweet he said was troubling involving one Steve Dace. This is what he was talking about, making a joke about child pornography at the expense of Steve. Now, we usually don't get our panties in a wad when it comes to anonymous Twitter trolls, but it seems this person wasn't quite as anonymous as he thought. The Twitter account in question, TweetGoodMarshall with the handle MJGIA, where you can go find a picture of this person's dashound named Riley, linked back to a website called Go Iowa Awesome, an Iowa Hawkeye fan site. On that fan site is an author named Mike Jones, the MJ in the Twitter account's handle, who loves the Hawkeyes and the Cubs and works out of Des Moines. So we know Mike Jones is the one behind the terrible joke at Steve's expense. Works out of Des Moines and has a dashhound named Riley and is a huge fan of the Hawks and Cubs. What's really interesting here is that the mayor pro tempore of one of the largest suburbs in Iowa, Windsor Heights, also happens to be named Mike Jones. He's also got a dashhound named Riley and is also a huge fan of the Cubs and the Hawkeyes. 
I just feel so sorry for the people of Windsor Heights. I'm sure they don't feel it's not too much to ask that even their unpaid mayor pro tempore display a more suitable temperament for that office by not making kitty porn jokes from a burner account at the expense of a valued member of the greater Des Moines metro community. The lesson we can all learn from this is thus. It's 12 a.m. Do you know your city councilman's anonymous Twitter account? And before I close, I just want to let you know I absolve Steve of all of this. I actually tried to get his blessing to run with this story, and he said, you are a grown bleep man, make your own decisions. And that's what happened while we were away. (laughs) That was a total Ron Swanson move, by the way. I was like, I didn't read that in your voice. I read it in Ron Swanson's Uh, voice. Yeah. Um, my, uh, Amy's parents, my in-laws live in Windsor Heights. Wow. So he is, uh, he's their city councilman, you know? And I actually, when you confirmed this, I actually showed this to Amy last night. The, the wives always get angrier than you do. You know, to me, it's, it is par for the course. Now I, I, if you guys want to make the case, a guy in city government making kitty porn jokes at, Finding that humorous on at, at any point, given you know what's supposed to be the dignity of his job, regardless of who the target is, I think that's that ought to pretty much always be off limits, right? Yep. Um, I you know, but uh, I didn't have the heart to say to Aim. I'm like, oh, honey, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is there's a low lying fruit. And then there, this is this is the stuff the Venezuelan people were eating out of the trash bin yeah. compared yeah. to I, what you will find about me claimed and and, and said if you search long and hard and, enough. And just to clarify, I mean, this is, I mean, this this is I, I don't know. This is this would be like Michigan beating Ohio State, and then me as an Iowa fan claiming, hey, hey, no, you better watch out. We just beat FCS North Dakota State. So you know, it's really low lying fruit. The only reason I ended up putting it in the montage is I thought. People would be entertained. Yeah. Listen, let me add my two cents. Aaron, you don't need to justify this. And Steve say no. Sometimes it's just our job to take out the trash. You got the heavier lifting to do. <laughs> Listen, if you can't, we're talking about national politics and all that stuff. You gotta, you you gotta keep your own backyard clean first. All right. This can't just be some national distraction we're constantly always engaged in. And this is an example uh, of uh, us doing our due diligence. Every once in a while, you need to call out the swirly alert. Now this guy, to the degree this gets back to him, he can decide, okay, I probably don't want this to be, or, you know, I've covered a lot of city council meetings. Some of them get a little crazy. Some of them get videotaped with people showing up that you probably wish didn't show up. So, uh, Mr. Mayor Pro Temp, shut your hole, know your role, make sure the sidewalks are clear, and don't step again. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home this year, really, really any place in America other than Windsor Heights, Iowa. If you're living in Windsor Heights, Iowa, we got nothing for you. All right. Everyone else, though. cameras, too. Oh, man. Yeah. Everyone else, though, this is for you. Uh, if you are tired of agents that uh, talk a good game and then don't deliver in the end, that's why Glenn uh, Beck and his uh, his team started this company a few years ago, was to start a referral service for real estate agents that instead of was trying to line up customers for agents, 
It actually is here is to empower the customer to find the right agent for them. All right. So these are agents that voluntarily show up to get scrutinized and vetted and say, yeah, I'm an open book. I'm willing to be held accountable. And I'm that confident in my ability to deliver results for you and your audience all over the country. If this sounds like something you might be interested in, it's one of the most stressful things you'll ever do in life. I was blessed to have uh, a, a great real estate agent. Uh, and we still see each other. We live in the same community, still say hi. We're still friendly to this day. I can't imagine doing this with someone who couldn't deliver. All right. It's one of the, having to have your home ready all the time to be shown. And if you're selling and then buying and, uh, you know, here's our list of what we have, what we want, what we kind of want. And can we fit it into our budget? It is one of the most stressful things you'll ever do in your life. That's why you want real estate agents. I trust.com go there right now, buy or sell for fast and for the right price with the team at real estate agents. I trust.com. All right, let's get to uh, really the meat of Aaron's montage today. And, and it has to begin and end, uh, in my view, with the vote that took place yesterday in the United States Senate. Now, let, let's get this out of the way. This is a pure show vote. In a way, it is a form of uh, McConnell providing this vote is a shiny object. Um, it's a cover for all the times he has uh, permitted uh, the people that would conduct many of the procedures that we are so abhorred by to be funded by you and I as taxpayers. All right. I want to state from the outset. We on this show acknowledge all of that. Okay. We're, when you come here to the blaze, we're going to be one of the few platforms in this movement and in this industry, that will actually acknowledge things like that, <laughs> rather than just falling for the clickbait, shiny object, and cocaine Mitch memes, and isn't Mitch McConnell a badass? Apparently, wasn't badass enough to defund these uh, baby butchers for the last two years when he had the votes to do so. And a president in office, who would have done it? Okay? So, we acknowledge all of that. Some of us now are getting to the point, you know, in t my concern in the 2016 cycle is that the the desire to defeat Hillary meant that whatever Republicans or Donald Trump were doing that wasn't good was excused and justified. We've kind of turned the worm now. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but it, it seems like this pendulum has now swung the other way. At least maybe that's just true in our audience because our audience has a tendency to be attracted to, if you're here, then you're probably not looking for necessarily the, uh, the clickbaity uh, hot take of the day. You know, that, unless you just are into pain and suffering, <laughs> you're probably not watching, listening and reading us because you're in the market for that content. All right. Let us, though, not swing the pendulum so far the other way. That people who are actively raising their hands and saying, I'm for the doctrine of demons, get away with it because you're pissed at Mitch McConnell. OK. This works both ways. The false binary choice works both ways. Neither side has their immorality justified by the, by the frailties of the, of, of the other, okay? Yes, this was crass politicism. Yes, it was. But every now and then, it can serve a valid point. What we saw yesterday, regardless of whatever... Real politique wannabe 
motivations Mitch McConnell had for giving Ben Sass the vote it didn't look like he was going to give him a few weeks ago. And it just so happened that he changed his mind on giving him the vote after the whole budget cave process. Again, none of these things, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm aware of them, okay? But but don't don't let that blunt your sensitivity to what members of the U.S. Senate stood up and did yesterday. And keep in mind, they didn't even have to do this politically. They could have voted the right way, the humane way, the moral way, knowing that this was going nowhere in Nancy Pelosi's house anyway. No, they wanted to make a point to you. Every Democrat running for president of the United States in the U.S. Senate yesterday voted to kill, no, no, not kill, murder. Voted to murder live, fully developed children. That's, that's not immoral. That's not wrong. Those terms aren't sufficient. This level of evil and wickedness requires a more clarifying confrontation. This is demonic. This is the doctrine of demons, is what this is. This is a form of demonic worship, child sacrifice. This is the, ad, the, the bloodthirsty Aztec priest at the top of the temple, holding the child that he will soon douse with flames above his head. This is the cult of death. This is Chemosh. This is Molech. This is the child sacrifice that has been practiced in every human culture in the history of our species. And for all, ye, all of our reservations about Donald Trump at times that he has justified and how nauseating this summit this week with North Korea is bound to be. It's not always true, but one of Trump's greatest instincts is when the intelligentsia says you can't say something, you can't do that. You can't make that choice. You can't, we can't have a conversation about that. He has this like reflex action to actually go there right when you tell him that that's just not permitted in this uh, polite society. It's not always true that it works. It's one of the reasons why we're going to be embarrassed by some of the crap he's going to say when he fawns over Kim Jong-un this week. But a lot of times, that instinct's been true. And you are going to see him, I believe, on the campaign trail next year, if he decides to run for re-election, if we have an impeachment battle, who knows how the, all that stuff's going to turn out, who knows. But if given the opportunity on the campaign trail, I believe pick a Democratic name on the other side. I believe in October of 2020, Donald Trump will literally say he or she wants to execute children that survive abortions. That is the exact kind of language required here. The American conscience needs to be confronted with what is actually happening here, what we're actually talking about here. There was a, I think it's a Marist poll that came out yesterday 
on the American opinion on the life issue. And it moved, what, 20 points in the last month? And the pollster said, really, the only thing they can attribute to this is the whole conversation about late-term abortions. There are countries far more secular, far more pagan than us that don't permit this. France doesn't permit this, for example. The UK doesn't. There are six nations on earth where you can do this murder. One of them, by the way, is North Korea. I'm confident you don't want to share a list of exclusivity with North Korea on pretty much anything. So, your political cynicism about this, if you have it, is justified. In, in fact, I would go so far as to say your political cynicism is always justified. But not all show votes are equal. Not all grandstandings are the same. What was done here is a proclamation was made by the other side. There is no exception we will tolerate. There is no restriction we will permit. We want to be able to kill these children. We care more about children from Mexico and Honduras coming here than we do our own. A major American political party openly said, we want to be able to murder children. That is a point larger than our disdain for Mitch McConnell's political machinations. And it should not be lost here. And it should be remembered. And there should be accountability for this. And this is the difference between a pro-abort and a pro-choicer. Most of your neighbors, whether you could ever get them to show up at a pro-life event or banquet or not, would not support this. And this political millstone ought to be hung around these butchers' necks. They have all morally disqualified themselves from holding that office. Well, Steve, I can't bring myself to vote for Trump. Then I don't know. Leave it blank. Don't vote for anybody. You should never vote for anybody you don't think has morally earned your vote. But these people have disqualified themselves. They have literally said, I'm too evil to hold this office. I am, I, am the, I am the embodiment of the doctrine of demons, and I am unrepentant about it. I'm why God has to permit a hell. That's what they said. Your thoughts, gentlemen? Um, I share everything you just said, uh, but this to me is like your take, Steve, on needing to see the shovels in the ground post uh, emergency declaration, and we're wondering where that emergency is now uh, on the wall. It's it it can't wait till election time. This is closed hand, open hand stuff that you've talked about. Uh, th- this needs to dominate the discussion all the time. Is this the hill to die on? Okay, well, of course it is. We are we are executing children. But if we just treat it, uh, well, we'll get to it come election time. We'll leverage it. No, 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 no. no that's that's fraudulent. It will know uh, if the people that you're uh, talking about, Steve, in terms of uh, uh, giving him the benefit of the doubt because of the the issue 
the, the stakes, the gravity of it, we'll know if they deserve that benefit of the doubt if they start acting quickly. If this is, I don't care what happens to the rest of my political career, if they start beating the drum on this everywhere, home, um, uh, when they go home uh, into their various counties and constituencies, when they're in Washington, D.C., now and always. Uh, otherwise, just putting this as another political issue to leverage uh, is a sh- certain way we're going to end up with the next worst story because that's what always happens. So just like you need to de- sh- see shovels in the ground and you're not, you need to see what's next after this. Otherwise, what? Otherwise, there almost wasn't any point because, as you said, every single slippery slope keeps coming true and they're going to continue to come true unless something entirely different is done and imagined we we this is this is a failure on multiple levels but one of them is a failure of imagination we keep telling ourselves that well this is the way things are done the way things are done suck preach on that can i can i respond to sure. something that he yep. said and i'll let you i come in i don't want i don't think anybody any republican leader is deserves the benefit of the doubt at all I'm not, so I, I don't want to so, my words poorly. I, I, giving them a chance to fulfill the promise of a moment. I, 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 yeah, I don't anticipate any of that. Okay. And I hate most of those people. And I'm using hate on purpose. What, what I, what, what, you have, you have, you have two, if we, if, if, if folks want a binary analogy, let me give you one. You have two children. One of them constantly acts up as defiant. They lie to you. They're deceptive. Um, and um, and and they just refuse to be disciplined. That remains true. You have another child that you literally find them with a bloody knife and a dead body under, underneath them. Your where is your attention going to go at that particular moment? Aladdin. Yeah. Does it mean that you have forgotten or excused, mm-hmm. absolved, exonerated? The unruly ingrate son, and I don't think you have. No, I, no, no. But 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 when someone's there with when when the other one has yeah. a bloody knife in front of them, that situation needs to be addressed, and that is what the that's what the Democratic Party did yesterday. They they all of their potential standard bearers in the U.S. Senate all said, "We will we will murder these children," and and I think that we can't become so cynical. I'm t- I think base, basic cynicism is a good default mechanism, but you can't let it de- dull your senses to raw, unadulterated evil in front of you at the exact same time. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Now, your other point, though, I totally think is 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 right right on the money, and and that is where I completely agree with you coming over the top of me on this one. That if we're going to point out how evil this is. To now just sit here and say, and that's why we'll vote Republican in 2020, then then that's a nothing burger. That that does nothing. These people to me, we can't sit here and say this is evil and then just that that ought to cause you to apply more pressure to the Republican leadership. They've now held Mitch McConnell has now held a vote where and he's up there talking today about the, how extremist they are. Then why the hell is he funding all of their causes? Why is he cutting them checks with you and I's money? Right. Yeah. That's that's now where you turn to the people who have who have who have done your bidding in forcing this vote and now admit they have been witness to how extreme and evil this is. And you should start you should now start putting the pressure on them and asking them, 
Why are we funding all of these causes then? Why are we cutting checks to Planned Parenthood? Why are we, why are we tolerating this on any level whatsoever? Why? Now that you know, and they have made known what it is they really are about and what they will really do, no one is with an excuse as far as, to me, I actually have less benefited out for Republicans. But I also don't think we do this in a way that the Democrats get off from saying to the American people, we want to murder children, period. No exception, no restriction ever. We want the power of life and death. Ye be like God. That must be acknowledged by us at the same time. That's all. No, I don't, and I, I, no one's done more than this on you in terms of to point out the the, the the fraud. So the intent certainly wasn't to come over the top. I, just, I can't, Steve. I'm just I'm speaking out. I can't imagine. I can't imagine an effective response to this other than vote and, Republican yeah, in 2020 about, and get nothing why, out of it. Yeah. That's why I, I talked about you. failures of imagination. Yeah. I, I can't even think of who to talk to, what button to push I know. on how, I mean, I know, I know what I would do. I know what you would do, Yeah, but who, who do we turn to Aaron? You get the final word here. What do you think? Um, yeah, this is, uh, I really don't have enough time to, to say what I was hoping to say, but, um, somehow, some way, um, this needs to be seared. This issue has to be seared into the national con- uh, conscience in some in some way, shape, or form. And I, I initially bought. We had a buy seller hold uh, proposition a couple weeks ago. I initially bought it that um, unplanned would move the needle more than dead baby body parts would because I initially bought on that because I think our culture reacts more to the silver screen than reality. Donald Trump, I think what needs to happen, Donald Trump really needs to be a champion of unplanned. If yep. it's as that, that the type of movie you say it is, Steve, he needs to tweet. He needs to talk about it a lot. That, that would at least be a good start. You're right about that. We'll come back. Pop Culture Tuesday. You do not want to miss this. Stay tuned. We like to stand up with those who are taking a stand, like Miss Victoria Hurst uh, of the William Randolph Hurst family. She's taking one of the most difficult stances you can ever take in life, and that's to stand up to your own family. And she is concerned about the increasingly uh, bent tilt towards adult, shall we say, kind of content from one of her family's properties, Cosmopolitan Magazine, in recent years, and the fact that it is not shielded from our children, from our daughters like Todd's, mine, yours. Uh, that uh, that you can go into just about any supermarket checkout counter in the United States of America, see one of those standing right there with your kids. You're just going to pick up some eggs and suddenly your kids are learning a whole new vocabulary before maybe you're ready to tell them what some of those things mean. So what she's asking is not so much for censorship, but stewardship, which is if the family wants to essentially publish a higher class, glossier version of Playboy, fine, but then it should be shielded like magazines such as Playboy are. So if you agree with this, if, if this is a, I get asked all the time, hey, Steve, what can we do? I'm busy. You know, I live in blankety blank. You know, here's a simple step you can take. Uh, visit the website, CosmoHurtsKids.com. That's H-U-R-T-S. CosmoHurtsKids.com. Lend your voice alongside Miss Victoria Hurst's and help her try to talk some sense, basically, into her family at CosmoHurtsKids.com. All right, let's get to it. Pop Culture Tuesday is our weekly intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And I wasn't sure what I was going to discuss this week. You know, the, the I kind of feel like 
everybody else in my line of work has already done their their you know Oscar takes. You know, and and I'm not sure how much of that ground is left for us to to tread. I, I can tell you, did the Oscars happen? They did, oh. uh, and, and and the Oscars without a host woke enough to do the job to survive a, a search of their Twitter account. <laughs> so for the first time in 30 years, they went without a host. It, the ratings were up 12 percent from last year without oh. a host. They were now only the second uh, lowest watched uh, Academy Awards since Nielsen started keeping track. Last year was the lowest watched uh, Academy Awards. This year was the second lowest. Okay, so there's that. And then I, I'm, you know, Amy and I were watching uh, a movie recommended to us uh, by the team that is going to be adapting a nefarious plot into a film. And because they kind of had this notion of a self-contained plot line um, set piece as maybe a, a kind of an inspiration for Nefarious. And it, it's called Conspiracy. It's a movie HBO made back in 2001 about the the conference in the winter of 42 where the final solution was ratified by the, the Nazi high command. And it's got a very young Tom Huddleston, you know, Loki has one line yeah. in the film. They've arrived, General. That's his only line in the film. Uh, Kenneth Brownow is in it. Uh, Colin Firth is in it. It's exceedingly well-written and 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 acted i'd highly recommend it and so uh amy fell asleep after the movie and um i'm kind of a, i'm kind of wired and i'm flipping channels and what am i going to watch and netflix has this new documentary about studio 54 do you guys even know what this was what aaron, studio 54 no was yeah, do you know no okay clue. aaron won't know Okay, has there been like nine movies and documentaries about this place? Have you noticed this? No, there, that there's I like an noticed. obsession. There with was this one place. like a decade ago with Mike Myers, wasn't there? Yeah, there, there's been multiple movies, multiple documentaries about this place. And so finally, I'm like, what is the obsession with this discotheque? You know, I was four years old when they opened this thing. You know, you, I think you and I are the same age. Or are you a year, year older? Year older. All right, so you were five. They opened this in 1977, okay? And and I grew up, you know, I've mentioned this, my stepdad I grew up with. And, you know, we had some lows. We had some highs. He taught me good taste in music. So, I mean, I listened to a my, – my stepdad was the, you know, hell no, we're not listening to disco in this house, okay? So, I mean, we, we, we did Journey. We did ACDC. We didn't do Bee Gees. That was going to get you beat. All right. And frankly, I might have been a beating you might have deserved. I don't know. All right. So we didn't we didn't roll that way. It was we did, you know, it was we were it, you know, as Billy Joel once saying, it's still rock and roll to me. That's how we rolled. Old time rock and roll, Bob Seeger. Okay. I we I so I I never as a little kid was around this really at all. I had a second grade teacher, Miss Cardiman at Howe Elementary. I remember her because she was my first teacher crush. And she used to, she was kind of known for dancing at the local discos here in Des Moines, you know, but I, I was never really a part of this. I didn't see staying alive until I was into my twenties. And I'm like, this movie is fairly terrible. So I, I <laughs> this is just bypassed me altogether. So I'm like, why though? This thing closed in 1979. What? what what is the obsession with this place? So I watched this documentary. This was providential for me to watch this. Now, if you're thinking of watching this on Netflix, I want to warn you up front. 
It is TVMA, and it deserves it. Okay? There's a story in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's, I think it takes place shortly before Jesus goes to Jerusalem for the final time. And he takes his disciples way out of the way. I think I've read estimates. It's 30 to 40 miles outside of um, where they would normally minister. And remind, keep in mind, they, they're not jumping on the subway, guys. They're not grabbing a lift. They're walking, <laughs> all right? And so 30, 40 miles out of their way, you guys know I won't go 30, 40 yeah. miles out of my way in my Ford Edge. <laughs> all right let alone on foot you, you would have been one heck of a disciple <laughs> yes i'm like hey text me you know um and he takes him to a place called caesarea philippi and if you know history of first century palestine as alexander the great named it at that time and as the romans continued that name uh caesarea philippi one of its hallmarks it was a retirement community for roman elites and soldiers and generals retired there a very wealthy community very decadent and they had a local deity that they worshipped there. And they had, so this is, this is where there's been a 500-year argument between Catholics and Protestants, because this is where, this is the sermon, part of the sermon Jesus gives to his disciples, as he says, upon this rock I will build my church. Okay? Well, if you know the history of this place, they had an altar to the, the demon that they worshipped there, the, the pagan deity that was worshipped there, was a demon named Pan, P-A-N. And you know, in the, the classic horror film of the of like the half goat, half human caricature, you know, or the animal head on the human body, you know, the the, the classic demonic look of a of you know Western horror, that's exactly what Pan was. And he was and and they they his the the idol was about this big, if I remember right, and they would worship him at massive stone altars. And there's an I think there is a portion of the of the of the massive stone altar to Pan that exists. I've never been to Israel, but I think I've seen pictures. There's a there's a replica of it that exists in if you go to Caesarea Philippi today. And what they would do is they would carve dwellings into this stone altar. The one at Caesarea Philippi, you know what they called it? Straight up, man. Straight up history. You know what it was called? The locals called it the rock. They would go to the rock and they would worship Pan. And, and like most of your demonic religions in the ancient world, there was the male god and his female consort. You, you see this in the Old Testament a lot, Baal and Asherah. Okay. Baal is the male god, Asherah is the female consort, all right? And always prostitution surrounded the female consort because she was responsible for um, you know, fertility, basically, of the land and of the, of the womb. And I remember what Pan's female consort's name. And so they would put Pan next to his female consort and right there at the altar, they would have like orgies and worship of Pan. Mass hedonism and decadence in order to inspire Pan and his consort to give them fertility to, as an act of worship. This is like right out of, if you've ever read the Da Vinci Code, that's what the great, I think this is what the grandparents are involved in is this kind of pagan worship. Yeah, All right? something like that, yes. And so I, I'm not here to pronounce final judgment on an argument that exists 500 years before uh, I was conceived or born at Iowa Lutheran Hospital. But I, I would submit there might be a there might be an additional meaning when Jesus says because he takes him to this place. And keep in mind, 
even though they're uneducated, most of them, this is a place where good Jewish boys were, ne- you did not go here. You were you not, no, you, you don't, this is a, no, no. And who knows what was happening at this altar when they went there. Maybe nothing, we don't know. Maybe he took them there when there was an actual revelry happening. We don't know, okay? Now, what does this have to do with this documentary? Everything. Absolutely everything. If you want to know, this documentary on Netflix is the fulfillment of the leftist progressive mind. It is the fulfillment. When I, when I talk about this being a religion, the spirit of the age in which we live, that this is the rival religion to the Judeo-Christian view that helped establish world, Western civilization. This documentary is a real-life application of this. Let me give you some examples. When the people are, that were there 40 years ago, look at, if you watch this documentary, look at the way they breathe, the way they remember, recall, how much they miss this place, and they even verbalize it at times. One guy says, I was addicted to this place. This was an Asherah pole in Manhattan. Everything we see in modern progressivism, this, this is almost like it's Genesis in a way. You know, sometimes you read behind the music stories of, of great bands and how they just happened to be in, at one dive bar and they, and they were playing with another group. Like if you saw the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, Freddie Mercury just happens to walk into a bar and Brian May and the guys who were originally part of the band that became known as Queen are playing with another guy. Their lead singer quits on him. He just happens to be there, right? There's lots of that store, those kinds of stories. Pete Best just quits the Beatles and, you know, they go find a son of a hairdresser, Reginald Starkey, that they found playing at a club, becomes Ringo Starr. I mean, the, like, pop music is full of these kinds of just happenstances where, where if this hadn't, if, where this was really the, the place where you didn't know, you know, a lot of what we know of the Beatles was birthed at a dive club in West Germany in the late 1950s. That's where they cut their teeth. That's what Studio 54 is for the spirit of the age that we are witnessing right now. One of the things you see in modern progressivism, the elitism. Socialism for me, not for thee. Tolerance for me, not for thee. And where they get to decide who gets the special rights, who gets to live and who doesn't. Steve Rubell, one of the co-founders of the club, standing out there every night. Now, have you ever seen pictures of Steve Rubell? No. Yeah. He's getting picked last in gym class every day. I promise. That guy. Okay? He got picked last every day. Every day. You ever looked at, doesn't, you ever look, Bernie Sanders strike you as the guy you're thinking, you know, I think that, that's a champion there. Nope. And yet here's this guy picked last every day and he stood out there and pronounced, you're good enough to come in. You're not. You go home. Your clothes aren't cool enough. He was wearing tennis shirts in 1978 when, you know, people weren't wearing them yet. Izod's hadn't, hadn't come in popular with the collars up in 82 yet. Okay, this guy, this guy reeks of uncool, but he gets to decide who's cool and who's not. 
He even proudly proclaims in the documentary that when, when Staying Alive came out, he hated the movie. Because what did he call them? The, the subway and tunnel crowd? The, the folks that came from the more blue-collar boroughs. Like Queens. Which is, by the way, where Rubel was from. The people who came with the gold chains and the flyaway collars and the bell bottoms, the 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 folks that that came from the more from the Bronx or Queens, uh, the more blue collar boroughs, he didn't want that crowd there. They weren't good, they weren't good enough. Meanwhile, other people that were there talk about how this was a great melting pot of diversity. While they're outside deciding who gets to come in and who doesn't, based off of totally subjective standards. Inside, there's a darkened balcony where all kinds of sexual activity is taking place up there. Down, down here is an altar. Literally like Pan or, an Asher, or the Asherah poles. The, the, the stage was an altar. And they talk about when they walked in, they felt the, how it stirred their souls to hear the mm, mm, mm. This is paganism. Upstairs is a darkened corridor where all kinds of sex acts were taking place. Downstairs for the special people, they literally had mattresses in the basement on the floor where you could have all kinds of sexual activity. They were proud 40 years before we had the current debate about transvestites that they would often let transvestites into the club over heterosexual people who just weren't cool or special enough. And the whole time, Rebell and his, his partner, Ian Schrager, are skimming money off the top and they're hiding it in the ceiling. The IRS comes in after they find out they've been defrauded of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Ian Schrager says, I, I was just a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. This documentary tries to make him in a sympathetic light. He was 30 years old when this club opened. Just to put that in perspective, I looked it up. The average age of a white male in the United States in 1977 was 68 and a half. He was basically a middle-aged man at that time. But he's a kid. He, he, he didn't know what he was doing. In fact, when the Obama administration made the argument for his, uh, for his pardon, which Obama gave him when he was in office, the argument was he was just a young guy caught up in all this fame. Here was the price that they paid for this. Schrager and Rebel both went to prison. They were immediately targeted for bullying and rape. And so Schrager says they had to find a guy that literally murdered his wife. Maybe it was his girlfriend and pay him off in order for him to protect them while they were in there for several years. When they got out, they lost everything. Rebel died of AIDS in 1989. So only a decade after this club closed. No, Steve, he didn't die of AIDS. I looked it up on Wikipedia. It says he dies of hepatitis. That's the story they fed you because he was ashamed of the fact he got AIDS at his club. He had AIDS. He died of AIDS. He just wanted, he was ashamed. He didn't want his parents to know. And the doc, that, that's not me making it up. The documentary says that. They went to prison. They lost everything. They got, they, they became drug addicts. They, one of them died of AIDS. And yet, 
this place is held up as we can't wait to go back. It just hasn't been the same since it was here. And then at the end of the film, it talks about how um, no one's responsible. No, no one is held responsible for any of their actions at all. Everyone is a victim, sound familiar? And, and they really resent Christian America and how it was about to usher in the era of Reagan, the Reagan era, to judge, to be all judgy against these people. I, I don't know why you need Christian America to judge you. Look at the judgment you've heaped upon yourself. Look what you did to you. And you know what word they kept using a lot to describe this place and this scene and the consequences that came about from it? If you watch this documentary, count how many times the word freedom is used. They went to prison. They became drug addicts. One of them died of AIDS. They lost everything. And they call that freedom. And they wish, they wish they could go back. Does any of this sound like what's in Aaron's montage almost every single day? Hour two is next. All right, back here with Hour 2 of the Steve Day Show, live and on demand on The Blaze. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address for those of you listening on Blaze Radio or on a podcast later today. D-E-A-C-E is how you spell that. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Homeowners, beware. You may have read about another major bank data breach. This one, 24 million identities exposed. Now, you may say, I've already got identity theft protection, I'm good to go, but have you considered that that won't protect you against scammers using that information to take advantage of second or third party places where your identity comes in handy, like the protection of what will be the most valuable asset for most Americans, uh, our own homes. Home title fraud is one of the latest scams that scammers are are hot with right now. And a lot of it is because a lot of this is online. You know, it used to be that if they wanted to, you know, jack with your home title, they had to go to a recorder's office or a county assessor's office and, and you know, prove they're you and everything else. Else. Now they don't have to do that. A lot of this is online. So if they have, uh, if they breached a bank and maybe they've got your checking account number, last four digits of a social, maiden name, middle initial, you know, the kinds of stuff that you use to verify your you when you do business uh, with second or third parties online. Now all they've got to do is forge a signature and who knows, they may be able to refile your home, take out, uh, you know, a line of credit uh, against your equity, liquidate that for themselves and then stick you with the payments. Don't let that happen to you, especially for just pennies a day, you can prevent it with our friends at Home Title Lock. Who knows, you may already be targeted, may already be vulnerable. Find out for free with a free title scan and report from HomeTitleLock.com. You've got nothing to lose. It's free for our viewers and listeners here today at The Blaze at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Well, you know, sometimes this is what happens when you work closely with people. You end up, in a way, sharing a brain. All right, so... I'm in the middle of watching uh, some uh, some great college basketball on Saturday, and I see this Twitter account, man, that is just on fire. Just, it, well, as the name of the book likes to say, dropping some truth bombs. 
I hasn't even I hadn't even communicated with you. Nope. I get in here to work on Monday, and you're like, "Yeah, we're gonna have." I saw it too. I, I'm like, "We got to get her on." All right. That, I, that's kind of what happened. I had her booked. Oh, already? Bef- already? Before okay. I saw your tweet story. I mean, okay. I was out front of it. So you were, you like preemptive. You're like, you're like a prophet then. Right? Yes, you like I saw am. this coming. It's about time you recognize it. All right. That's true. All right. So DC McAllister is here with us. Uh, she is over at the Federalist and she's our guest here today on The Blaze. Good to see you. How are you, DC? I'm great. Thanks for being here. So you, uh, you, you uh, I mean, I've, I've seen your stuff on social media before, so you're no shrinking violet to begin with. But I mean, you came out howitzer style over the weekend because it, it does appear that, you know, we had this whole conversation in the 2020 or 2012 election about the war on women that we are. I think we're literally seeing one now, particularly femininity. And that that seems to be one of the, the, the common threads in what you were talking about on Twitter over the weekend. Tell us about it. Well, it started with the, uh, you know, with the decision by the court. If that's the, I was ca- talking about several different things, but the one thing about the courts was having women in combat and the attack on women and men and also just men not being respected in their places for what they do for society and that women have their place too. And it's the complementary nature of these two relationships mm-hmm. that it really makes society function well. And I mean, that's what we really need to get to is really what is going on between the relationship between men and women and men are being attacked today. Women are being attacked, so it's not really clear exactly what roles we play, and we need to get back to that. And of course, people don't want to hear that, and feminists don't want to hear that. So a few years ago, when the whole uh, concussion debate in football was really beginning to rage, um, I was asked by USA Today on the Friday before the Super Bowl to write the opposing view to their editorial board uh, talking about football was too dangerous. And I and I had looked at some of their recent writings on safety and preventative, uh, you know, you know, preventative health or uh, what's considered dangerous. And I noticed that they had just written an op-ed about putting women in combat. And so I sent them my opposing view was essentially you guys don't care about safety. Your opposition to football is it's one of the last remaining masculine driven meritocracies because you're you're claiming that a, a man with 3% body fat and state of the art protection all throughout his body can't be trusted to play the sport of football. That's too dangerous. But we can put women on the front lines of combat where they can be maimed, blown apart, group gang raped by the enemy. This has nothing to do about what's safe for you. Your major contention is you don't like a masculine driven meritocracy. And that's why you want to tear football down. And I think we've just watched that conversation continue to devolve. And I think that's a lot of what you were addressing on your Twitter account over the weekend, DC. Well, they've made the patriarchy, this imaginable patriarchy, out to be the devil and the enemy when really they don't appreciate what men contribute to society, how society has been built on the shoulders of masculinity, and that men are very different from women. We're not the same. It's crazy that we even have to say this, Mm -hmm. but it's true. And women are dependent on men in many ways, and and the matter of strength is one such way. Men were designed to protect women. And we are not equal in this way. I mean, even the Marine Corps came out with reports saying that the female units did not perform as well as the male units. So we're putting men at risk. We're putting women at risk by all in the name of equality. And it's a false equality. And we're putting aside common sense, you know, safety, security, 
and you know what's right in the principles of the thing all for this imaginary equality because we think that men have been so unfair to women for so long and it's actually not true i mean women didn't have the same rights yes as men for for many years in our society but the, to say that men have been abusive to women across the board and that they somehow need to be torn down from their pedestals in society is just wrong. We need to respect what they contribute and what women contribute. And we're, we're not doing this right now. Feminism is in a war against men, and we're all going to suffer for it. One of the things feminism has done is, is conflated and taught the culture to conflate equality with sameness. Meaning, and I've, I've brought this up from a from a a Christian theological viewpoint, when Moses writes in Genesis, God created them equal in his image, male and female, he created them. That is to the, that in many parts of the earth, Christianity gets accused of being patriarchal and, and oppressive to women. And, and still here in the 21st century, those words written by Moses, maybe four, maybe 3000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, still are radical in many places on earth today. The idea that the female has the same dignity and worth inherently as, as a species, as the male, okay? But what we've done now is we've taken in dignity and worth to say we are the same, that equality equals sameness, that we, we can each do what everybody else can do. We're interchangeable. We don't have specially desi- divinely inspired purposes or, or roles to play. And I think that's the great lie here, that, that equality and sameness are not the same thing. Well, no, and we're also living in a society that has uh, rejected objective truth mm-hmm. and objective value that we are God designed, that we are designed for a purpose and that that objective designation of who we are is not self-determined. I don't define my own nature. I don't determine who I am. I define who I am as an individual in my expression, but who I am as a human being, who I am as a woman, who you are as a man is at the core determined by God and for a very specific purpose. And we live in a society that has thrown that out. Everything's subjective. So whatever I think about myself or how I want to define myself or how you want to define yourself as a man, they're all considered to be relevant. So we have you know, a billion different types of masculinities out there. You know, women wearing dresses at the Oscars saying, I mean, men wearing dresses at the Oscars saying, I feel masculine in my heels and my dress. You know, they've completely thrown out the objectivity uh, for the subjective. And when you do that, whoever has the most power is the one who's going to win the day defining groups. And if you can define yourself and your own nature in this way, then those who are in power over you can also define you. And that's what we see happening to men. Mm -hmm. Men are being reconstructed and redefined and deconstructed from their masculinity to be to fit a subjective narrative of the few who feel imposed upon and marginalized. And this is going to be devastating to society. It is devastating to society right now. It breaks up relationships and it makes us unsafe in many different ways. DC McAllister from the Federalist is our guest here today on the Blaze. Uh, I was uh, uh, inspired by some of the things you were pointing out uh, and, and the practicality of 
why would we take the only side of the species capable of birthing the next generation and volunteer to have them killed off? I mean, there's a certain mathematical uh, simplicity to this, even if you don't buy the virtue that, 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 that DC and I are trying to sell you here. Do the math on this. You know, there's only so many wombs. OK, um, but, you know, what I, I was inspired by that and I, when I pointed out on my Facebook page this week about this, that I I think that they try to impose this edict from this Bush appointed judge. I think Christians ought to practice civil disobedience against registering their daughters to be drafted. And the first reply was from a, 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 a self-identified Marine vet who said that he didn't understand why we would deny women the equality of serving their country in this way if they want. Now, of course, he's conflating volunteering with a draft, okay? They're not the same thing. But then he went on to say, yeah, my experience has taught me on the battlefield, a a woman couldn't carry me if I was wounded, probably couldn't carry a lot of the gear packs were required to carry, et cetera. I mean, he goes on and makes every practical reason why this will not work, okay? I'm 45 years old. I had to lose over 100 pounds to weigh 260, even at 45 and 260 some odd pounds, my strength level in my last fitness testing, I can do 53 push-ups in a minute. How many women enlisted in the military right now that are 25 years younger than me could do that? How many? I don't know. Probably not many, I would imagine. That's the point. So he goes on to make every reason why this won't work. He literally gives says that more men and, and women will now both die in combat if we do this, but we should just satisfy this emotional yearning no matter the lives it will cost. I was, I was flabbergasted at the cognitive dissonance in, that, that he expressed in, in literally giving every piece of evidence for why you and I have the, the opinion of this we do, and yet he's like, but that's okay, we should just do it anyway no matter how many men and women it will kill. How do you, how do you even argue against that level of indoctrination? I, I don't know. Well, because it is indoctrination. I mean, he's fallen for the dogma of equality and the dogma of individuality. And whatever the individual wants to do, and a woman is completely equal, that she should be able to do it. And the thing, the problem is, is that we've reduced this into a materialistic kind of thing. Well, if they can do it physically, they should be allowed to do it. They're not looking at the bigger picture. And I warned about this in 2015 when women were allowed to be in combat. I said, if a few are going to be allowed in, then by law, all women should be required to be in if there's a draft and because that's just the law. And so the judge technically made a correct legal decision in saying that it was unconstitutional for men to have a male only draft selective service. Uh, But the problem is we need to step back as a society and everything's not just about reducing everything to this material bottom line. It's about morality principles, our purpose in life. You know, what is the purpose of men and women in life? And women are not equipped to serve and fight and protect and kill the way that men are. And men are designed to protect women. And this is just how society is made. It's how God designed society. And even if you don't believe that, then evolutionary psychology proves that as well. And, and so we're in the name of equality, in name of this delusional subjectivity that we have, um, we've thrown common sense to the wind. And this is why someone who knows the facts, who understands it, uh, will say, oh, but they can do it anyway. And you also see a lot of men, I don't know if you've encountered this, a lot of right-thinking, Christian, uh, conservative men who say, hey, if you want to be equal, then fine, you should be drafted. 
women should get out there and die just like the men. Mm -hmm. And that's appalling to me to hear that. I understand their feelings and their sentiment. But what I would call on all men is not to let that kind of bitterness take hold in your reaction to feminism. Remember that there are a whole lot of women in this society who do not agree with the feminist on this and who are not the tiny few who want to serve in combat. Many of us women respect men, respect you as our protectors, respect your strength and appreciate it and are grateful for it. And we don't presume to be equal to you in that task. And we ask you to protect us. And I guess I would call on men today to protect us against this kind of legislation, against this kind of thinking, because we don't we don't want our daughters, we don't want our mothers, our wives to be put in this position. And we need men to stand up for us. And we also need other women to speak out, women like me speaking out against feminists who have this delusion of equality that's driving us all into uh, this complete corruption of what human nature is. By the way, for those of you that buy into the canard, well, Israel does it as if, you know, like they're like the base, the plumb line of everything that is right and wrong. They actually don't. Uh, they, they have compulsive national service for men and women in Israel. That includes military draft enlistment for the men. It is not compulsive military draft enlistment for the women. That is, they, they don't have that, actually. Um, this goes, speaking of canards, uh, the celebration of... Uh, of what we used to call cross-dressers, transvestites, et cetera, that are, that are men now are winning uh, high school sports competitions uh, that used to belong to women. This is happening now all over the country. One of the things about this debate that I, this is like death of the West. What do I mean by death of the West DC? Like when, when not one nurse or one doctor at that hospital in England resigned rather than, uh, killing Alfie Evans. That, that's what I mean. No one, no one says no. No one stands up to the to the zeitgeist and says, uh, no, I will, I will not go along with that. That's death of the West stuff. I cannot believe in in states like Texas, not one dad, not one dad has stood up and said, oh hell no, hell to the no. Is my baby girl running against a boy with a thicker Adam's apple than me who claims he's a girl with lipstick? No, no, no. My baby girl worked hard to get to the state track meet. We're not doing that here. And yet there has been almost outside of the conservative blogosphere and conservative Twitter, there has been almost no pushback against this from average everyday Americans when confronted with it, not even when their own daughters are quoted in the newspapers complaining about it. No dads go to the school board meetings. It reminds me of when I saw the story about what um, um, uh, Matt Lauer was doing at NBC at 30 Rock. That he literally had a rape dungeon, for lack of a better description. And I couldn't believe not one janitor, not one person, not one guy who knew about this and saw a woman come out crying. Not one of them stand up and said, hell no, not on my watch. No way. No one did. Well, I haven't seen, maybe I missed it, DC. I haven't seen a single dad come out and say, this outrage is not going to stand. And, and nobody has. And that's why it will continue to stand, apparently. Well, for the transgender issue, I think once again, we see that men, especially straight men, have been silenced when it comes to these kind of rights of women or rights of transsexuals or rights of homosexuals. 
uh, in that in the hierarchy of, of identity groups, men are, are the most delegitimized now. Straight men are the most delegitimized now because you're so bad. The patriarchy is so bad and you've abused everyone for so many years. You can't speak. You have no right to speak. You've been silenced and stigmatized yourself. So a lot of men don't have the power anymore or the wherewithal to speak up because they they know the, it's against them in society to even speak or they're going to be accused of being what homophobic or sexist or something. There's a, also this, like I said before, this subjectivism, this we can de define ourselves. Everyone has the right to be whatever you want to be. Uh, you, we have this equality myth that we have in our minds now. And so it's leading to this kind of, uh, you know, malaise when it comes to these very important issues. I would also say on a theological level, it's interesting that we now have thrown out very much as a society, God, the Christian God, who's a balance of the male and, fem and female, but also just very uh, patriarchal figure um, that we've thrown him out and then the objectivity of him out and we've replaced it with woman worship. Almost. We mm -hmm. are a society that really worships women and, and from hypersexualization to just women's uh, invading in all spaces that women have the right, believe the woman, the woman's always pretty much infallible. It seems like in, in this society. And, you know, so when you do that, when you make a God, when you make an idol, you tend to remake your own image into that idol. This is the way it has been since all human history is yep. that if you aren't worshiping the truth, where we're truly reflect, reflected as our image maker. When we create another idol, we become that image. If we worship money, we become all about money. If we worship women, our society is gonna become more and more feminized. And it's really interesting throughout history in small tribal groups and in small societies that have been dominated by female worship, um, that transgenderism is very big in those societies. And uh, you know, it, it's it's not, there's not a disconnect there. That's all, we're all connected. We're spiritual as well as physical creatures. And when you reject the fundamental of how we've been made and our purpose and how we were designed and try to remake ourselves and the image that we want, you're gonna start reflecting that image. Right on. I mean, that is, that'll preach what she just said right there. I mean, when when it talks in Romans 1 about worshiping the create creation rather than the creator, what is the highest being in the created order? We are. So we actually end up worshiping ourselves. I, I mean, that's, that's, that's the oldest lie in all of humankind. Ye be like God. That's exactly what you're describing there. Gender dysphoria is not the absence or removal of gender. It's the exact opposite. It's the worship of it. It's the idea that if I change my gender identity, I will be whole. I will be delivered. That's that salvation via gender. It is not the the absence of gender. It is the worship of it. It is the taking out taking it out of its proper context to believe this is what will provide you the purpose, significance, and meaning that, that you currently feel like you lack in your life. It's the it's the it's idolatry of gender. DC. That's what it is. Yeah, it's the worship of self and you know, whatever your gender is or whatever it is that you're longing to be, that you have some kind of absence in your own heart of how you were raised or whatever your psychology is. But we're having everyone's personal pathologies and their own being legitimized as being true. Mm -hmm. and, the, the, and when you've rejected, again, objective truth and objective values and reason, then yes, everyone's individual hurts, slights, pathologies, wants, desires, dreams suddenly become legitimate to be re respected by the rest of society. And if you don't, then you're the problem. 
you're the one that needs to be redefined, just like we're seeing with masculinity. The masculine norms are now being reconstructed and redefined to fit a subcategory, a subgroup of man who is feminized. And they don't like, they're in, no longer part of the masculine norm. So instead of changing and being conformed to what they truly are in their true purposes, uh, or just dealing with their own pathologies, they're demanding that the group change to accept and approve them so that they don't feel out of, of the group. So that means all of the rest of the men need to conform to the minority in the minority thinking, in the marginalized group. So this is where we are today. Subjectivism rules, the self rules, the self is the idol. Finally, DC, for people that are listening, watching us right now here on The Blaze, what, and it, it, and you just recently kind of been out on the front lines, the, the social media is kind of with the city gate was in Bible times in a way, you know, so this is where we all, you know, uh, kind of scurry out to, to have, to iron and iron out all these differences. What encouragement would you give to our viewers and listeners, what you've learned engaging directly some of these uh, idolatries and pathologies that you just talked about? What encouragement would you give them in their own walks when it comes to standing up to this spirit of the age? Well, know what you believe and know that what you're fighting against is a spiritual battle, but it's also a reasonable battle. And it's one that you cannot make if you're trying to legitimize someone else's personal experiences as being true for all. And you need to understand that it's fine and it's right and it's strong to stand on truth, to know the truth and be brave in pronouncing it. Yes, there are differences between men and women. That doesn't mean we're not equal in value or equal before the law, but we are very different and we're better for it when we complement each other. There, you know, we are we cannot transition into one or the other. That is not God's design. That is not what we are in reality. So choose reality, choose truth, stand on it, and you're gonna be attacked. I am attacked daily like you would not believe. But you stand on the truth and you stand for it and know that you, you know, you are on a, a solid island. You're not on sinking sand in this. And we need to support each other and, and bound together and encourage each other in this fight. And otherwise, if you're alone, you're, you're going to be afraid if you feel like you're the only one speaking. But just know that you're not and be encouraged and gather those around you who also are like-minded and be bold. We have to be. Folks, that is some of the most solid food, maybe the most solid food we've done with we've had with any interview we have done on this show so far this year. Absolutely outstanding, DC McAllister from the Federalist. Pleasure to have you on, and uh, we would definitely like to do it again. And uh, you know what, man, keep up the fight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's get some reaction. What we just heard from DC McAllister. So, Todd, show profit. I will begin with you. Well, I give her. Endless credit for her endless patience with our side of the species because she keeps saying, you know, dude's got a dude. Come on, rooting for us. And, you know, I'm looking around and like, man, how would he? You had every right to give up on us a long time ago because uh, I I just, in many facets of life, obviously, we sit here and we talk about uh, uh, politics. Uh, culture, uh, uh, faith, and we diagnose specific instances, but then the rest of us go about our, our regular lives and we're at the grocery store, at our kids' games, and you you just see it everywhere where men are failing to be men. And the way she... Um, <laughs> the com- if you you got to follow her on Twitter. I, I can't quite do justice to how she combines just 
fists to the face with a great feminine tenderness to try to bring it all together to have both sides men and women try to get this she does it as well i mean really that that's why steve and i probably probably both had the light bulb moment at almost the exact same time because i mean she was riffing on multiple issues weaving together things as uh, as different as uh the oscars and uh the draft and the court's decision on that and bringing it together to the fundamentals to the transcendentals um if she she's worth getting to know one way or the other if you don't have a twitter account find a way to uh figure out what she has to say on a regular basis because it's it is as steve said solid solid food aaron the thing that dc said that stood out to me the most is um it there's this temptation i'm paraphrasing here uh towards the end of the, the part of the conversation talking about um women uh being draft eligible um there's a temptation to always uh you know, from our perspective to say, well, just let him have at it. Just let's let him do. And she admonished and, and, and encourages us to, uh, no, don't, don't do that. You know, just, comp- you know, be, be the men, continue to protect, continue to do your job. Um, you know, gird your loins like a man, Job, as, uh, as, as the words go in, in the book of Job. So there is always this temptation and that, that stuck out to me. There's always this temptation when we are confronted with the darkness to just curse the darkness and or say something like, uh, just let them go bugger themselves, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, we cannot do that. Uh, that's what Jonah, that's what Jonah did, uh, or at least tried to do uh, in, in the Old Testament. He's like, you know, just let, just judge these people, um, God. But that's not what he was called to do. Uh, Jonah is not the hero of that story. Far from it. We don't want to be like that either. She addressed matriarchal societies and something we've talked about recently on the show that if you go back and look, every matriarchal society has always, in the end, reduced women to nothing other than their genitalia. Every single time, all throughout human history. And there's a reason for it. And it's because when you say to a man, you you can get from a woman what you carnally desire the most with no responsibility or nobility attached to it. You're going to get the worst of both worlds. If you if you think masculinity is tough to contain in an environment where there are expectations and accountability for it, imagine an environment where those are now removed. I don't have to imagine. See it way too damn that, often. That's exactly right. That's what you're living in right now. That that's that is we you know, sin enters the world when Eve is, is falls to temptation from the devil. What is her husband doing, Adam, while this is occurring? Is he He's actually there. And you know what he's doing? Not a damn thing. Nothing. Nothing. Total passivity. Like the fathers who don't stand up in the middle of the track me and say, hell to the no on my watch. Nope, not happening here. Thank you. Total passivity. The dads just sit there and watch their daughters who worked hard and trained hard get scammed. Do nothing. Nothing. They just do nothing. So if you think it's better to de-incentivize masculinity, oh, however bad you think the masculinity deal is, the alternative is far worse.
All right, so what if I were to tell you there's no more excuses for not eating your vegetables, okay? Especially when our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition have made it so much simpler. Steve, I can't get my kids to eat anything green other than a shamrock shake, which, by the way, shows they have some good taste because that's an American white trash delicacy right there, the shamrock shake. They are. Had my first shamrock shake cheat day Saturday, and it was glorious. Not going to lie. All right, but no. There is a way to make this simpler. All right, uh, there's a way to trick. That's eh, maybe that's a that's a that's that word has some uh, some connotations you may not like. How about inspire? There's a way to inspire your children and you and me because most Americans are not getting uh, that uh, the daily dose of of vitamins, minerals, anti- antioxidants, probiotics, etc. That come from eating your vegetables. Most of us aren't getting that. All right. Well, you know, I had uh, I had veggie hamburger helper. Yeah, no, you didn't. Um, you had chemicals in a box. All right. <laughs> no, that's not those. Th- those are not the vegetables you're looking for. All right. So make it simple. Brickhouse Nutrition uh, has put it together in a new formula called Field of Greens uh, that you just put in your little shaker bottle, mix with any drink you want, uh, and it tastes great. You ever had like those? Um, Naked juices, green machines. You ever had that? Sure, sure. Those are great. They're also, I, I, I stopped counting at 175 grams of sugar. Uh, so they taste, but that, that they taste great. This actually tastes a lot like that without 175 grams of sugar. And I would highly recommend it. Use it myself on a daily basis. And now you can get it 15% off of your first order. If you use promo code Steve, when you go to BrickHouseSteve.com, it's called Field of Greens. BrickHouseSteve.com is the website, promo code Steve, and get 15% off of your first order. So today's Truth Bomb brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believed Our Own Demise. And I'm I'm not sure how I could top the amount of truth bombs DC McAllister just dropped. I mean, that was like a, I mean, I was like a, she was just, she was like, it was like the Enola Gay just kind of flew in here. She just, (laughs) she just texted me and said, uh, sorry about the slow start. I'm like, no, yeah. no, I don't think you no, got off text to a Text her back start. and say, thanks for giving us the time to catch up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually backwards. All right. Thank, thank, in golf, it was called a handicap that she just handed us here. Mm-hmm. So uh, brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believed or Our Own Demise, available right now. Bookstores everywhere, including Amazon.com. And if you have bought the book and had a chance to read it and you liked it, please go to Amazon today. Leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. All right. So today's truth bomb is an announcement. We've made the decision here on our show that we are going to evolve one of our most beloved weekly segments, fake news or not. And we're going to do so based on the realization that we have come to about the state of legacy mainstream media, the majority of it. You know, there's always a needle in a haystack. But systemically, as um, as Eddie Vedder once sang on the Vitology album for Pearl Jam, It's not for you. This is largely the advanced comms team. It's an arm. uh, It's a propaganda arm of a hostile government, an invading force who looks at you as hostile. And there's really no need to to continue in reminding everybody that that's the case. It's a pointless exercise because even, even when they do something right, like we had the clip of Wolf Blitzer asking uh, Bernie Sanders today why he won't call Maduro in Venezuela a dictator. 
And then the answer is he, he, he can't point out socialism's failure because Bernie Sanders is a, what is he? Socialist. He's a socialist. Yeah. So, and he's running for president. And so if he points out socialism's already failed in our hemisphere, I don't know, sort of undermines the credibility of his campaign in a way, <laughs> I think. Okay. So we're not going to sit here and why continue to circle the drain? So we're not. So from this time forward, particularly in this, the year of BS, we have decided. The year of BS or no BS? Or no BS. <laughs> There's a Freudian slip, <laughs> right? In the year of no BS. <laughs> the year <Uh-oh>. of BS. <laughs> Thank you, Carl Lewis. Yes, I'll get you back on the back end. Yeah. Um, here in the year of no BS, we have decided as a show that from this time forward, fake news or not is going to focus exclusively on news outlets, information sources, and political leaders that you have entrusted to represent you and your views, that you have entrusted to be those that would be the buffer, that would be your proxy to stand up to the invading armada of left America that uh, most of the media represents as its propaganda arm. There's no point in fact-checking Iran. There is no point in fact-checking Putin. Well, there's a lot of clicks involved in doing those sorts of things with the New York Times, but we know what they are. They have declared you and I are their enemy by and large, and so there's really no point in reminding each other of that. So from this time forward, we're going to focus this segment on whether those sources, leaders, politicians, pundits that we trust that are wearing our jersey, whether they're telling us the truth or not, whether they're giving us the real news or the fake, beginning now. Well, let's go back to May the 9th, I believe it was, Comey is fired, and Andy McCabe wants you to believe that the Department of Justice and the FBI were just in utter chaos, and they thought the President of the United States might be an agent of Russia, and they thought the President of the United States may be guilty of criminal obstruction of justice. This is May the 9th of 2017. Two days later, Andy McCabe is before the Senate Intelligence Committee with the entire world watching. It's on worldwide television. And he's got the Senate Intelligence Committee, and he doesn't say one single solitary word about Donald Trump being an agent of Russia or uh, criminally obstructing justice. And if that's not good enough, if two days wasn't enough time for Andy to process that, in June of 2017, he's right back before the Senate Intelligence Committee. If you really believed, Andy, that Donald Trump was an agent of Russia, why did you tell CBS and not Congress? Fake news or not there from Trey Gowdy. What do you think, Todd? Oh, well, it it's not fake news at all to point out. You got it. There's some dimensional chess. I don't know which dimension, but, but it's not fake news to point out the inconsistencies in the motivations of McCabe. Then I'm also wondering, we've had to play the same game with Trey Gowdy uh, in the past too, and you know he, he's known as uh, a white knight of virtue, but he has also had issues where, well, you did this then, why didn't you do this? So, I'm that that's my level of conflict. But if we're just gonna, if if we let's set that aside for a second, and if it's absolutely true news to point out the obvious nature of the level of conflict in uh, McCabe and others in terms of when they chose to virtue signal and when they chose not to. Mm. Aaron? Well, yeah, I, 
what dimension of this are we talking about? I mean, what are are uh, Trey Gowdy's intentions and motivations to come on Fox News and say that? Are they real or fake news? Well, we're not gods. So we don't really know. Uh, we can only look at back at his uh, prior history. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head what his Liberty score is, but I know it's not exactly stellar. So I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, what he just said, the words coming, the words coming out of his mouth were true news. They were real news. Uh, his motivations for saying those on Fox News, I'm, I'm going to call a little bit fake. Yeah, I mean, these because, the, listen, I think I agree with what he's pointing out about McCabe, that, yeah. that disconnect. Yeah. Why didn't he, he was in the Congress yes, in 2017. Yeah. Why, why didn't he, why draw didn't he that? call his bluff then? Yeah. Why didn't he call his bluff then? Right. This. Why not? You were, you were running committees in 2017. Call subpoena McCabe to come up and ask him, why are you going on CBS and telling and claiming the president's a Russian agent to give us your evidence here? Tell us here. What's the, what's the evidence, right? That's what yeah. I found he's, vexing. He's, yes. I mean, during his time in Congress, Gowdy was an excellent orator, and he would able he was able to put people on the spot. But it's just there's no there there. Like yeah, the he, the the, he is. He was an all hat, no cattle Republican. No doubt about that. Um, next clip. I think the next ninety days to four months is going to be a real meat grinder. I think in the president. You have the Mueller report coming out. You have what's happening on this investigation on the inaugural committee. You have the Southern District of New York. You have other investigations going on. I mean, the pressure on the president is coming from many different angles. I think you've already seen it from uh, uh, what the Democrats. Some of these reports they uh, they've been dropping here without telling anybody. I think that now that they control the House, they can weaponize. Uh, this they could weaponize the Mueller report. I think that 2019 is going to be the most vitriolic year in American politics since before the Civil War. That's former senior advisor to President Trump, uh, Steve Bannon, uh, who also said in that clip, by the way, that uh, he almost guaranteed that Trump would face a primary opponent within the Republican Party. Aaron, I'll start with you this time. Fake news or not? There. Good <sighs> grief! I know. Yes. Before the Civil War. I mean, are we about? To, does that mean that we're like uh, twenty? We're on the precipice of um, getting our guns out and fighting. If that's what we're talking, I don't know how to interpret that. How to interpret that from from Steve Bannon? So I'll say, um, I will say fake news because we're. I don't. I mean, we are in civil war right now, but we're not. A, we're not imminent. We're still in that place where. Uh, too late. Uh, you know what's that? What's that chick that you used to? Oh, it's too early to start shooting, yeah, and it's too late too to late save to, the system. To, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're still in that. We are. That is that is our purgatory right now. That's that's where we're in right now. What do you think, Todd? Remember, remember when he was like the episode center of like the psychological universe for like three weeks or something like he that. He was the Svengali of the Trump presidency, and I remember we we had a we had a meeting of some of us. That were post twenty sixteen, and it, we had it down in Dallas at the Blaze headquarters. Glenn hosted it, and it was the day after the election. A bunch of us met down there, you know, just kind of what the environment would be and game planning out, you know, what what the future of our industry was post election, and and all of the and all of the cable news down there in the Blaze newsroom. They had them all. The networks on. Uh, and and so including CNN and MSNBC, and it was literally like Steve Bannon had just won the presidency. Yeah, I mean that he was literally uh, just had his hand up Donald Trump's back, and Trump was a was the dummy, and Bannon was the ventriloquist, and when Trump opened his mouth, Bannon's words came out, and he was the sinister mastermind of the uh, of the entire 
plot that had just uh, been foiled upon Hillary and progressive America. And now he's the guy that they wouldn't even let him inside. I mean, they're doing this interview out on the sidewalk, for God's sakes. <laughs> Listen, this is obvious. I say it all the time. We are in the midst of a civil war. So been there, done that. I've been saying that for a long time. But the, in terms of this is fake news to the extent that he's in any way t- Paul Revere on like you have you had your shot man you have no insights on this uh, that are really worth even talking about any more I mean good grief weren't you were the you, of all the people uh, that were I mean there's kind of the sober-minded uh, statesman and then there's the just the tough hard-nosed wingman you you were supposed to be the tough hard-nosed wingman that could hmm. make Trump fly straight and he ejected you like you know, like you were some syphilis you didn't want to catch. I mean, come on, man. This is fake news is to your relevance or I, maybe you just got chewed up like the rest. I don't know. But you, you have really nothing to tell us anymore. That resetting this is actually if it conservatives should be it, it go away. No. Done. Next. Whatever. So it's 2019. I get a call one day in August of 2011. And it's Newt Gingrich's assistant. And he's trying to resurrect. He had kind of had, you know, that 2012 caucus campaign where all the candidates kind of imploded and he had already imploded. So he's trying to figure out how to resurrect this campaign. And uh, he's in town this weekend and wants to take me to dinner tonight. And I had a date night planned with Amy. And I think we were going to see the last Harry Potter movie, I want to say. Hmm. Yeah, 2011. That's was, about was, the right time. Deathly Hallows Part 2, maybe? Correct. I think we were going to see the last one. And I was like, "Well, if you want to make this work, I'm not. I'm not moving you aside for 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 date night for the wife. So she gets to come along, and it's going to have to be during a certain window because this is when the movie starts. So we met at a sports bar over by the movie theater, and he was excited to eat ribs because his wife never eats him lets him eat high fat food like that. Okay, why am I bringing this up in relation to this conversation? Because sitting there that day, that summer day, maybe it was July 2011." Newt Gingrich's whole point to me, that was seven and a half years ago, was that America was more polarized and divided than at any time since before the Civil War. Yeah. Exactly what Steve Bannon said in that clip last Sunday in 2019 is exactly what Newt Gingrich said to me at Damon's Sports Bar and Grill in Urbandale, Iowa, which doesn't even exist anymore. It closed down. He said that to me in Urbandale, Iowa, my wife and I, on a summer night in 2011. Good times. Yeah. Let's get to the next clip. The Trump campaign, I think, was a backdoor attempt to infiltrate the campaign. They used a confidential informant. Well, what did the confidential informant find about the Trump campaign in Russia? Apparently nothing, because there was no mention of a confidential informant in obtaining a warrant against Carter Page. So this is a real mess. Did they really sit down and try to overthrow the president by invoking the 25th Amendment? I'm going to get to the bottom of that. I'm going to have McCabe come in, Rosenstein come in, anybody and everybody around that conversation, and we're going to find out who's lying. Every American should be worried about what happened in 2016. Point blank question. Todd, I'll start with you. Do you believe Lindsey Graham's going to get to the bottom of that? I think he mu- I think he might try. Okay. Because look at all of the attention he got for the grandstanding in um, 
Kavanaugh. These, these yeah. were my friends. So, you know, if there's a, yeah, there's a, if he's just become addicted to that, he, he may try okay. to do it. Now, I, and then if there's, do you think there's a, let me, help. by the way, former judge advocate general in the U.S. military, former JAG was Lindsey Graham. And do you think there's any chance that if Trump runs again, that he might replace Pence on the ticket? I think. There's almost a chance Trump will do almost okay. anything. And, I can, it, and, <laughs> and with this new buddy system, I can see him. He, he can be uh, a bootlicker uh, in terms of wanting that seat. Um, he, he'll try. Whether he will actually get to the bottom of that, that's almost certainly fake news. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with Lindsey because we suck at getting to the bottom of things. Aaron, quickly, what do you think? I trust Lindsey Graham like I trust basically Lucifer in the garden. Not that he's Lucifer. Holy cow, that was a that really was a mean cat comparison. Over the top. <laughs> Personal foul, McIntyre. Come on, yeah. man. Should have just let I me was, keep talking. Yeah. Why don't you text him? I'm your new Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> That's God. a little bit, a little bit over the top. Just I, say you're skeptical. Just say you're you're skeptical. Okay. Here, here. Self-deprecation time. Since I made a, a party foul there, I, I trust Lindsey Graham as far as I can throw him, and I can't throw anybody because I haven't been working out. All right, that that'll suffice. All right. Hey, when was the last time you had your ears professionally uh, cleaned? Have you ever? Yeah, itchy ears, ear pain, that plugged up feeling, particularly this time of year. Maybe you're constantly asking people to repeat themselves. If that's you and those problems sound familiar for you or anybody you know, yeah, you may need a professional ear cleaning, but you're like, I don't have time to wait around in the doctor's office. It's expensive. What if you could do this in the comfort and convenience of your own home and without a prescription. Now you can with our friends at WaxRx. They use a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear with a pH-conditioned formula. Try the WaxRx system risk-free today. Here's how. Just go to usewaxrx.com. That's usewaxrx.com. That's the website, usewaxrx.com. And then use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. That's usewaxrx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Final thoughts today, gentlemen. Got about a minute or so. What do you think? My final thought is I love it when Eric gets to the point where he's just done because, you know, that's – he. He just bottom lined it right there. Listen, forget the specifics of the case, but man, we we should be talking about Lucifer and what he is and is not doing all the time right now. Because look around you, people. Uh, when you had that uh, faux pas a little bit earlier, Steve, when you said the year of BS, I really, <laughs> really want Al Stewart to come back and do a cover of Year of the Cat. Just Year of BS. That would be. I'd buy that. <laughs> I'd buy that album. Do you remember Al B. Sure, 80s hip-hop artist? Yes. He keeps tagging me on Twitter. It is weird. Did we talk about this a couple yeah. years ago? Yeah, he's ago? still doing yeah. it again. That's weird. It's weird. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but uh, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, 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 oh,